Bitcoin. It's You honor me with your presence. Pokemon so tiny hurt so much. Rapid usually stronger than the average, and has a friendly attitude. Is throwback. We will not back down. Good morning and welcome to another edition of the Throwback. Chris Meany, Jake Seeley, Brad Ziegler of the Athletic, hanging out with you this afternoon. Thanks for taking the time to hang out with us at All in Kid, at Brad Ziegler, at Chris Meaning for myself. A reminder, you can now submit any questions that you have on the Athletic app if that's where you're listening. If it isn't, well, another reminder, a friendly one, that a rate, review, a subscribe, whatever it is, wherever it is that you listen to the throwback, that would be appreciated as well. And also another reminder, full of reminders here for you on this Wednesday, the athletic.com slash free 90 days is still a thing. You can check out Jake's grades, analysis of each pick, dynasty rookie rankings are out, his way too early redraft rankings are out, and Jake, uh, a mock draft that we took part in yesterday will out on the athletic tomorrow <laughs> yeah he'll be out tomorrow well thursday it might not if you're listening after thursday it's already out for you but i actually that's why i was laughing because i thought i was screwed up with the days and you said good morning this afternoon <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well it is morning right now but by the time i get this out it will be in the afternoon <laughs> so we're all screwed up on the days i legitimately when you said uh, what is it coming out i was like yeah it's thursday I was like oh crap that that's tomorrow i guess i'm doing <laughs> is a lot of work else having a hard time with days i don't know i, I think am. that's the they entire world the right same. now yes Brad, no. Every day is just the same for me, man. Yeah, the, the so the only thing that's keeping me straight is is our kids like the homeschooling. They have it structured out on a calendar on their website. What what uh, you know what assignments are due what day, and so I'm I'm pretty solid. It's Wednesday. Like we we have this particular <laughs> math assignment, this particular reading assignment, and this particular you know Bible assignment done, and and try to get it all you know, all lined out because we found out the other day, we, we had a, they had a Friday off of school for good Friday, right before Easter. So we took one of the Thursday assignments. So like, yeah, we'll do it tomorrow to, to space it out. And so we, we click, you know, click to turn the assignment in on Friday and it, it says, um, assignment turned in late. And we're like, what? Like, I didn't realize it was like a, dead set due date on it like that was our fault so we emailed the teacher like look we did that that wasn't his fault he would have got it done but um so yeah now we're we're on top of things now so i that's the one thing i can keep straight is the days of the week well lucky you because <laughs> i can't they're all numbers to me now like back when the sports world is like yeah you know like thursday night Thursday night basketball, I get some Saturday, some hockey, and today it's just, now it's just days, 27, 28, 29. We are at 29, we are almost at May. Uh, last uh, show we did round two, and we got rid of the tight ends, Jake. <laughs> so we'll do uh, we'll do round three, and we'll go Everything. a little bit deeper in some in some other guys. Yeah, we'll really just take care of the rest of the draft here. Before we get into it, is there like a sneak preview, a big takeaway that you had from the mock that we did yesterday? Besides the fact that again, like we did six rounds, and there were still so many solid wide receivers undrafted. Just pretty much that. Yeah. <laughs> Go. You can see. I'll, I'll write it up. Who's there? But we seventh round was about to start, and it was just stupid the amount of wide receivers on the board. And then you compare to what's left at running back, and it's disgusting. And we look. We legitimately. How we we took six, seven, seven tight ends and four quarterbacks. And I, I mean, your home draft or everybody's draft might have a fifth, sixth quarterback go. Might have an extra tight end or two because Gronk didn't go. So it's not. 
despair like it's not like not what you probably will see wide receivers are going to be there in the seventh eighth ninth round where most most years they should be there in like the fourth wild um yeah brad just as an example like jarvis landry still hanging around uh, henry ruggs i think edelman was still there yeah Tyler this, boyd th- there's we mentioned this last show you have to get running backs this year and if you're in an auction draft this is where if you got a 200 dollars budget you spend at least 150 dollars on your top three running backs you, you have to go and get three really good guys because it's going to be really tough to piece together the late round ones uh, or the or the second tier this year, if you're not just grabbing a bunch of handcuffs and hoping someone gets hurt. Every team had at least two running backs. It was either two or three running backs. Every single team. Yeah, yeah, that was the strategy that I took, and you know, spent too much time in it because you guys will be able to to read the article and watch the video actually at the Athletic when it when when it does come out on Thursday. And yeah, I took t- two different approaches. Really, I drafted early in the first part where I just went running back heavy, and then I I did the wide receiver heavy with Julio and Tyreek, and yeah. It gets a little thin after the first few, you know, the first 20 running backs come off the board. You're really just uh, taking shots in the dark with certain players that, you, you know, for me, honestly, my standpoint, I didn't like a lot of the running backs that were after the first, like, 20 or so. So I will be taking those backs early. And if you are, you know, preparing for your rookie draft, your dynasty draft, hopefully we helped you out in the first couple of rounds. So as we dive into the rest, I guess guys like Antonio Gibson, Lynn Bowden, Brian Edwards, these guys that we're going to get into today, they're a little bit deeper into your rookie drafts. Do you have any appeal in a guy like Antonio Gibson, Jake, where in Washington, don't really have a lot of talent there? Is he, is he going to go in as a back? Is he going to play some wide receiver? I mean, he could do a whole lot of everything, but um, there's opportunity for him at least. Is there any redraft appeal and talk about his value maybe in Dynasty as the years to come? Yeah, well, I, actually, I want to talk about Gibson and Bowden together because uh, I like very hey, similar. Yeah, yeah. Well, and also self back bat to me. I'm taking this one. I even wrote up as soon as it happened that trust me, Bowden's going to be like what would they list him as wide receiver? They gave him the wide or the running back, but they gave him the wide running receiver back, number yeah. or whatever it was. But yeah, so the opportunity for both. I know that Gibson got listed as a running back too, but I could see Gibson playing a lot more wide receiver than Bowden does because that's where the need is. I think what makes Gibson appealing for fantasy would be if Darius Geis isn't okay. I think that's really why they listed him running back in Esther. But they have 17,000 running backs on this team. But I don't think, you know, like that's where Peyton Barber went. I don't think a lot of them are concerned because it's really, ideally for them, it's Geis Peterson and Bryce Love. So if Bryce Love is healthy, he could be their new Chris Thompson. Darius Geis would be the leader, but he might not be the leader from day one. If he's not healthy, you might see more Gibson. I think they kind of sprinkle him in more at wide receiver this year because that's where their need is and they didn't really draft a lot except one we'll talk about later uh but i think he could just be kind of everywhere a tavon austin type you know looking at that usage but i would actually have a little bit more appeal for Bowden because of how thin that running back backfield is behind josh jacobs and they let you know uh, what's his face uh deandre washington thank you washington i was about to say williamson washington is gone so there's a thin backfield, and then they drafted multiple wide receivers. Uh, one of actually, we'll, we'll just bring them into the conversation. We'll get all three of these guys out of the way. We could actually group a lot of these guys. You're right. I mean, Vegas and Washington, really. Well, yeah. So that I was gonna receivers. say, well, Brian Edwards, one of Brad's favorite sleepers, uh, but he's even behind because this is the team that also drafted Rugs. I mean, he could essentially start from day one if he performs well enough. But you still have Tyrell Williams, but. That's my point is where you look at Washington, where's their need? Their need is that wide receiver. Where's Vegas's need? It's in the backfield. So that's where I would say as of today, Gibson gets more wide receiver, Bowden gets more running back. But both of them are very similar skill sets in the fact that if everything even breaks right, they should see a 100 snaps just mixed wherever they feel like using them that day. 
Yeah, I, I think that's totally fair. And I like I actually have Brian Edwards ahead of Henry Ruggs in my rankings, mostly because I don't think Ruggs is a number one receiver. I think he's a really good player for an NFL team. I do not think he is going to be that fantasy relevant in, in you know on a week in week out basis. Whereas Edwards could be a guy with five or six catches a week on, you know, on a season and end up with a, a 70, 75 catch season over a guy like Ruggs who might catch like 45 to 50 balls, but still hit close to a thousand yards because a lot of them are deep balls. There, it's just going to be very sporadic. So I, I like, I like Bowden as a talent, but I don't know if, if Jacobs goes down and there, there's been a lot of talk out of, out of Vegas this, or it's weird saying that. A lot of talk out of Vegas about, it is, yeah. about Bowden, or about Jacobs being more involved in the passing game this year. And then they go and draft a, a guy like Bowden. They list him as a running back. And it's like, okay, well, you're not spending a third round pick on this guy if you don't intend to, to, you know, use him at some point. And it makes me think that he's going to be the third down back. I really think it limits Josh Jacobs ceiling, um, at that point. And I, I tweeted that during the draft. Like, that anybody that that is is wanting Jacobs to be have higher reception numbers this year, it's going to be really tough because Bowden is a way more dynamic receiver than than Jacobs is, um, and they're I think they're going to see that they're going to love getting the ball in his hands, try to find ways to get him in space, and and so I I would um, I think it it does hurt Jacobs a little bit to have Bowden in the backfield. I I would I would agree with you saying there, but I think overall what Oakland, jeez, oh what Vegas has done here is. <laughs> I do this all year, and I've and I've could I just I've always wanted it to be Vegas. I should be like hey, I, up here. I still call the Chargers San Diego, so it's, it's like, and, <laughs> well. The and, worst and, part about it is too when you when you say Vegas, you think like Betty and stuff like that. So it's like when yeah. you say like Vegas has, it's just you're yeah. thinking like you know the casinos. <laughs> well, in football, it's Las Vegas. In hockey, it's just Vegas, like Vegas Golden Knights. So you can get caught up into that too if we're really talking about technicalities. But I think overall. Like, sure, if Bowden's going to lie in the backfield, take some catches, and I don't know, if you're in the deepest of deepest leagues, Jalen Rashard probably takes a bit of a hit, too. He caught some balls last year. But I think overall, as we talked about, Jake, this what Vegas has done, I mean, they did these picks back-to-back, too, with Bowden and Edwards, is they've... They have a bit of an identity now. Like they bring in Jason Witten. We're not talking about Witten from a fantasy standpoint, but they use three tight end sets. They want to run the football there. I think having a guy like Ruggs and Edwards, this is an absolute upgrade for Derek Carr and company. I think overall it probably helps Jacobs. You're not going to see as many stack boxes. You can blow the top off with Ruggs. I think that this is a, a strong step forward for the Raiders. I definitely think so as well. I mean, look, this kind of, in, this entire division, I mean, let's be honest about it. We joked about it on the last show, but this entire division said, all right, we got to keep pace with the Chiefs and we need some offense because outside of like the, you know, with the Chargers situation with going to Tyrod, you know, they didn't do a lot besides we we're going to talk about a running back, uh, but they already had enough weapons. I mean, we're talking about a great duo there with wide receivers and a great tight end, if healthy a great backfield if healthy and everything works out there. But, you know, we're looking at these other two teams. What were their biggest weaknesses? The, <laughs> the Raiders had nothing on offense outside of Jacobs and Waller. You know, the Broncos had Cortland Sutton and Philip Lindsay, and that's about it. So both similar situations, and they just attacked, 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 and are trying to find multiple weapons and multiple ways to keep dangerous. And, you know, maybe that hurts from a fantasy standpoint and the fact that, honestly, you look at the Raiders and you could say, 
outside of Waller and Jacobs, can you trust anybody, period, in fantasy? Mm-hmm. Like that, yeah. I mean, that could be honestly true. You know, we, we obviously, Brad and I obviously differ a lot on Henry Ruggs when it comes down to it. And, you know, there's a chance neither of us are right. That, that's what I'm saying is that just nobody is trustworthy. Not even Edwards, not even Ruggs, not anybody. And you look at both teams and say that. And it's, that's the, that's the issue here. I mean, it could be Cortland Sutton and Phil Lindsay. Well, now Melvin Gordon, but you don't want any of the other wide receivers because it's just too hit or miss week to week to week. So Ruggs is my favorite rookie wide receiver. He is. But I, I totally agree with what you're saying, Brad, is that it's – and we said this, I think, our first breakdown the day after the draft is that he's going to have inconsistencies in his game. It's just – it's going to be a lot like – best-case scenario is probably A.J. Brown. But would you agree that Ruggs has a higher ceiling than Edwards? Uh Higher ceiling for sure. Um I, I just don't – I just feel like there's going to be inconsistencies. I mean, if he's truly the number one wide receiver on this team, then he's facing number one cornerbacks uh, opposite him. And I just from what I've seen out of him, that's not something I want in at least in his first year or two of of playing in the NFL. Maybe right. he gets there, but but coming out of the gate, I mean, my what I'm drafting in a rookie draft, I want guys primarily who are going to have a chance this year to increase their their capital. I don't want to be drafting a guy at the, you know, bottom of the first, top of the second that I'm flipping for a late second next year because that's all he's worth because he hasn't done very much. You know, like, like the, think of Andy Isabella. Andy Isabella was a late first round, early second round pick in rookie drafts last year. You cannot get that for him right now if you try to trade him. You're lucky to get maybe a late second, early third for him. I don't want to decrease value in a player on my roster. I want a guy who's going to have an immediate chance to increase his value so that if I decide I don't want him on my team or I want to try to flip him high, that comes now as opposed to two or three years down the road. And I don't, I don't think you can do that with rugs. I think, I think it's going to be, he, cause you're going to have to take him at the bottom of the first round, probably around 110 or so, 111. And if, if you're having to take him there, that means to get any value out of him next year. That means next year you're, you're flipping him for what, one six, one five. And I have a really hard time seeing that. I, I just, I can't see him being that much better than everybody in this class where, where he is jumping up into that range, uh, value wise. I think he's a guy who's going that if you're, if you want rugs on your team, you don't draft him. Let someone else spend the high capital. Wait till he's, he's extremely inconsistent and maybe not even that good as a rookie. And then try to get him next offseason when when the price is is probably way lower. We've talked so much about rugs. I'm tired of talking about rugs. Not right, you, Brad. I'm just tired. <laughs> what? How about Devin Duvernay? How about the nice little pickup from the Ravens? So, well, speed, speed, speed. Yeah, and and that's great. But see, here's the thing: Devin Duvernay out of the slot, which he should be. Uh, that's probably their third wide receiver, but third wide receiver with Lamar Jackson, the Ravens' offense. That's really all you need to know. I, doesn't matter. That's my concern for fantasy. Like this is great for NFL side, and maybe the the off chance, the best case scenario for Duvernay is if Miles Boykin doesn't take a step forward and completely bombs. Uh, that's your concern. But Miles Boykin for this team is the only one right now that should be the major red zone threat. I mean, outside of Mark Andrews, we're talking purely wide receivers here. But he's the big guy. He's the big red zone threat. He's the you know chain mover. I mean, he can be a you know. A trusted reception option, short or long or deep or in the red zone. And if he should take that step forward this year, then Duvernay is just lost for fantasy. He'll be explosive and great in this offense. You know, and it, it makes the, the offense even scarier. 
But I think Duvernay, the biggest problem is, you know, he's just behind two great options. I mean, maybe Marquise Brown is just never healthy, and that's another concern. But this is a depth signing, or a depth signing, depth draft pick. I think it's a great situation, but it's not going to be fantasy relevant, likely. He steps in and, and takes over the Willie Sneed role, but he didn't really have much of one, Brad. Yeah, and, and Willie Sneed can't be dropped, or, or I mean, I'm not going to say he can't be dropped, but he's got a, a his cap hit is $5.4 million this year, and that's his dead cap too. If they drop him, if they cut him, that's what they're, they're going against their cap. I don't, I don't see them, it doesn't gain them any money because that's all they're paying him to begin with. So I think Snead is still there, and I think Duvernay is sitting most of this year, and, and that's not, for, for where he's at as a prospect, I don't think that's a bad thing. I just, again, it, that's a guy who, I, I'm, I haven't to take in probably what the, where is he going to go in a rookie draft? Bottom of the second, top of the third, something like that, maybe? In the third, I think. Yeah. yeah. So at that point, if he doesn't play most of the year, he's a good taxi squad stash, but he's not, he's not a guy that, like, I feel like there are other guys going to be available around the same time who will get a bigger opportunity this year. And like Jake said, you, this is not a big time passing offense where they can support three or four receivers. Like, from a receiver standpoint, I don't know that you want anybody outside of Mark Andrews on this team. Because Marquise Brown is is the same guy as Deshaun Jackson, A.J. Brown, Henry Ruggs. He's going to have huge games and going to be completely disappearing in a lot of other ones. And and I don't, I just don't want that on my team. Again, you know, I, I say this a lot. He's a fine best ball guy because you can get him late, and he's going to have some big weeks that that might you know score you a ton of points. But he's going to also have some some weeks where he has like one catch for twelve yards and and on two targets or something. And it's that's just not the focus of their offense. Um, it, he's a fine player for the NFL team. Like the NFL team needs receiving help, if nothing else, just to occupy defensive backs to to open up the run game a little bit more. Um, but but I don't I don't know. I just have a hard time. And in the third round, you're throwing darts anyway. So if you want to take a shot on athleticism, then go for it. Um, but I just don't expect much out of him in 2020, even even just from an opportunity standpoint. Yeah, I would agree with that. Is uh, Efficient as Lamar was, is still want to run the football there. So let's skip to the fourth round in terms of wide receivers. We'll dive back into no, the third we're, round. We're and get to your guy. Backs. No, yeah, that's what I mean. We'll get oh, to okay. the to the okay. fourth round of the draft. Okay. Here. We'll skip right over Gabriel Davis. That's for sure. When, you know, for Buffalo, who uh, now has eight billion wide receivers too. Yeah, all of a sudden, right? At least they're getting it. You know, this time a couple years ago, what were they working with? Absolutely nothing. That's true. It's, it's nothing. Um, I can't even remember who was there before Duke Beasley and John Brown. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, he wasn't even Funch, there. Fun, um, Funches was, was there. Not Funches. Uh, Kev, Kelvin Benjamin was there. Robert for a Davis and Isaiah McKenzie. If you want to go back that. <laughs> oh or, boy. No, Robert Foster. That was Robert. Davis. Yeah, that's right. Foster <laughs> that's a, was the big. He was the big sleeper, best ball sleeper until they got John Brown. But anyways, we spent already way too much time on Gabriel. Davis, no disrespect. There you go. That's enough. <laughs> it's, it's, gonna be a, it's a hard time. But Antonio Gandy-Golden, Brad, uh, has your tune changed at all with the landing spot in Washington for the big fella? Um, there's at least opportunity. Um, I I still don't know that I necessarily trust the guy, and I, I don't know how much I trust Dwayne Haskins at this point. Um, but, but that being said, I there's at least a chance. Like he, he's, I think he's better than Kelvin Harmon, and – you know, so I, I think he could step in and potentially be the, the number two receiver there, but I just don't know how good that's going to be in Washington this year. I hope it's good. I want Dwayne Haskins to be good. I want, you know, my, my ideal scenario from, from football standpoint is every game is like 42 to 36 and it's just a fantasy love fest every single game, every single week. <laughs> Washington, I just don't see that. Like I, I do think they are going in the right direction. I love a lot of their draft, but I don't, 
I just don't see them being that relevant this year. It's 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 more second year, but he he does have an opportunity. I would probably rather have Antonio Gandy Golden over Devin Duvernay solely because of the opportunity in Washington. It's a terrific opportunity, and I, like you guys know, my everybody does my feelings on this. Go buy Dwayne Haskins. Go buy the Redskins offense. Just buy, just buy. Rivera's here. Buy the offense. Uh, I'll take everybody because everybody's cheap right now, except for Terry McLaurin. And honestly, Terry McLaurin still looks to be undervalued just by our draft yesterday, uh, just by the opinions of McLaurin, because I think it comes down to a lot of people feel more the way that, you know, Brad was kind of saying, not saying that Brad hates Dwayne Haskins. It's just like, people are just like, I don't know. I, I think Dwayne Haskins is probably one of the most disrespected quarterbacks from last year. And I'm not saying he's Lamar Jackson, but everybody remember writing off Lamar Jackson his first year. Can't play quarterback. Doesn't know how to throw blah, 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 blah. Well, guess what? Dwayne Haskins was hurt too and playing in a terrible, terrible offense. How about we just don't write the book on him? That's all I'm saying. Like, I'm not even guaranteeing he's going to be great. I think he's going to be a very good quarterback. We also wrote off Jared Goff, who Sean McVay figured out how to make good because he's still not that good. I would take, you know what, purely prospect, purely talent-wise, I would still take Dwayne Haskins over Jared Goff. So I'm buying this offense. I'm buying Terry McLaurin. You know I like Gandy Golden. I think that Brad hit that on the head in the fact that you're looking at Kelvin Harmon versus him. Which big body do you want? Well, Gandy Golden's like the big guy. The concern you have is, and I, I don't know if anybody was watching the draft while they were running the film on him, is he's similar to Chase Claypool, who we haven't even talked about yet. But if you look at it, it's an opportunity. Or did we? Did we talk about him yeah, last year? Yeah, we talked I about Chase. We did. Can, you watch him. Canadian. Yeah, there you go. You watch him play, and he looks slow playing. Like, if you watch the film that they even dropped, yeah, he made some big catches. Yeah, one of them was a touchdown, but he wasn't separating a lot. So you're looking for a big red zone opportunity where he's probably going to be touchdown reliant as a rookie. I don't know if that Kellen Harmon even gets bumped out. I honestly think the starting three could be Harmon, McLaurin, and Antonio Gaining golden and Trey Quinn is bumped out. I mean, like, he was fun. But he's Mr. Irrelevant for a reason. Yeah. You know, Cam Sims, Steven Sims, Cody Lattimore. This team doesn't have anybody that – like, those should be the – by talent, those should be the big three. But it's going to depend on if they wanted to put McLaurin in the slot because if they put McLaurin in the slot, then it's Antonio Gannon-Golden and Kelvin Harmon outside. There you go. There's your three. And you're running a three wide, and they basically ignored tight end. So that's nice. But if Trey Quinn wins the slot, now you got to bump out Harmon or Gannon-Golden. So it's going to be interesting to watch, but I like him. And, and I like, I like Steven Sims too. I, I thought he actually played pretty well last year as a rookie and, and is, is a, a decent possession receiver. So I, I feel like there's a chance that, that these guys are battling for the third wide receiver spot already. Um, because I think Sims, uh, you can slot Sims into the starting lineup opposite, um, opposite McLaurin. And then you're looking for a slot guy at that point. Or, or if you put, move these guys on the outside and you put Sims in the slot, he becomes a little more of a volume guy. And these guys, like you said, are very touchdown dependent. Um, so yeah, I, I like Sims. I think Trey Quinn is actually probably going to get cut. Um, and, and it wouldn't surprise me. And, and we haven't even mentioned the fact that if Antonio Gibson does play some receiver here, he's more athletic than all these guys. And so they're outside of McLaurin and, and Sims. But as far as what we're talking for the third guy, if he is the, they are going to use him some at receiver, then none of these guys have a shot because he's more athletic. He's a more accomplished receiver than, than them, at least from a bigger school. And I would, you know, I would much rather have him. I just think there's a good chance Adrian Peterson gets cut and Gibson slots into the backup running back role and, and they try to really develop him in that standpoint. I feel like we're talking about a lot of scrubs here, like not with the rooks, like Gibson and, and AGG. And yeah, I guess, you know, Trey Quinn showed some stuff and Sims showed a few 
things as well. But I mean, overall, you're right, Jake. You can't write anything on Dwayne Haskins yet. I mean, he's gotten, he's played nine games, completion percentage under 60, seven touchdowns, seven picks. Look what, what he had to work with. I mean, nothing. That's a big thing, too. It, it, absolutely nothing. And there's no tight ends on this team, like Jeremy Sprinkle, Richard Rodgers. Like, they, no. what are they doing at the tight end position? I, I told you guys before we started the show, I was shocked that they didn't go for, yeah, for Hunter Bryant. I'm shocked that they didn't go after him once he missed the entire draft. I understand a lot of people are saying it's because of health and they weren't able to test and the teams. That's why he fell out of the draft altogether. Uh, but at, even so, like you just take that gamble. You bring in Thaddeus Moss, who I joked, I told you guys before this, he, they essentially got an undrafted free agent as a sixth tight end or six tight end, six offensive lineman. Like I'm not concerned about him at all. And you know, hopefully he latches on. Hey, you know what? Ho- prove me wrong. I would love to do that. But to go back to it, the last few games, I mean, we're not talking obviously huge numbers from a passing game standpoint. Put up some wins, too. Yeah, but, you know, like, well, I was going to say, no, I was talking about uh, Haskins. You know, five touchdowns in the last three games. You know, Green Bay, Philly, the Giants, respectable defenses, not, you know, world-breaking defenses either. But also the attempts weren't super high because of kind of what they were looking at towards the end of the year. He almost basically was like Ryan Tannehill at the end of the year, throwing for 200 yards and two touchdowns. So there was some sign of life towards the end of the year where he already missed time and, like you said, was playing with nothing. It was Steve Sims, you know, it was Terry McLaurin. Yeah, Sims, had, Sims had 16 catches and four touchdowns in those last three games. Yeah. So so there you go. I mean, you could argue – I mean, I'd almost, if you're like the Haskins lover like I am, I would argue he made Steve Sims something. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. That's, that's very possible. But it's also like – when you're talking a, a 20th round dart throw, you could do worse because there's, yes. there's, yeah. you know, he's a, there's at least a ton of opportunity there. Whoever ends up being the second receiver because they're, I mean, they're going to throw for 4,000 yards because of, of pure volume playing behind, et cetera. And when that exactly. happens, there, there's, there's going to be a ton of opportunity in the second half of games for these guys to just pile up, you know, garbage yards. That's how I was going to finish rounding out Washington and then get your thoughts, final thoughts there, Jake, is that, yeah, Ron Rivera's in there. They've got a 1,000 running backs. They want to run the football. But at the end of the day, they're going to be forced to, to throw the football. And, you know, Terry McLaurin was a undervalued, I thought, in that in that mock draft yesterday. I took him as my third wide receiver with my sixth pick, I believe, at least yeah. fifth. Pair him up with Julio and Tyreek, and I think that's a solid three. I will say the only thing that concerns me is that this defense – that front seven was already pretty damn good, and they had to chase Young. And, mm. oh, I mean, you're talking about Sweat, Drawn Payne, who they just got in the draft recently, Jonathan Allen just a few years ago, Kerrigan, Chase Young. I mean, I, as of right now, they're listing him at outside linebacker just to have him on the field with everybody. And this this has their makings to me to be a little concerned. Like, obviously, they slow down the pace, but the defense keeps them in check. They don't have to score 30 points a game. It's going to rely on their secondary, which is still very questionable. They didn't really address it much because of how they attacked the draft. But maybe go back to the Giants days where your front four and rotation and front seven overall are just so good that it lessens the impact of the secondary. I still think teams are going to put points up on them. But I just want to throw that out. Like, that's my slight concern with them not putting up 30 points a game. Yeah, I, I don't know if they can. Um, so eight minutes on Washington. We may never talk about them again <laughs> until they clear up this backfield. AP, Darius Geis, Antonio Gibson, Bryce Love, Peyton Barber, J.D. McKissick. Oh, my goodness. All right, so let's um, talk backup running backs. 
<laughs> so let's talk backup running backs. Let's dive back into the third round. We'll start with Keyshawn Vaughn, getting a lot of buzz. Jake, I think you took him in that mock yesterday. Ronald Jones' job. There's a lot of people tweeting over the weekend. I saw that as Ronald Jones, still a big winner, still a big winner. He's still hanging around. Boom. He's probably done. <laughs> so, Ronald Jones basically went from, oh, listen, now let's go back a month or two. Oh, this might be interesting. Yes. Okay, now I'm starting to get intrigued. Oh, Tommy Brady signs. Oh, they haven't done anything. Nothing in free agency. Ooh, this is this is looking nice. Draft rolls around. Oh crap, it sucks again. So like that's really what happened. Look, I gotta say the same thing I said during the video. Everybody go watch the video, and we talked about it on the video. This isn't a guarantee. But sixth round, if I'm gonna take somebody in this backfield, it's gonna be Vaughn over Jones. For partly not so much talent versus talent. I still think Ronald Jones could be a good first, second down running back. Problem is, if you notice, I didn't include third because what do we know when he came out of college? And it's still a problem to this day. Pass catching, but also very important, pass blocking. Who's he playing with? A quarterback who wants his running backs to be able to block. What did Vaughn do? One of the best blocking running backs in the draft, arguably the best. You have somebody that can get in that backfield and block already. If he's even close to Ronald Jones running the ball, they're going to put Vaughn out there for that reason. And that's why you're scared about Ronald Jones now. And if we don't, we're not going to probably really talk much about him, but Raymond Calais is probably kicking out Derek. He's gone. The goon's gone. <laughs> so a pass catcher like that really points to even if Ronald Jones wins the job again, he's not going to be out there for much for third down and pass catching. So Ronald Jones, best case scenario is winning this job. I want to kick it. I want to ignore him altogether just yet. Because it's still this offseason we're talking about, and if they're splitting 50-50 from day one, that being Jones and Vaughn, you probably want nobody to start. But, you know, Devon has the higher ceiling. Brad, where does he rank for you among rookie running backs as you put together your so, dynasty rankings? Believe it or not, I actually put him at the bottom of my tier one, um, which he's the sixth guy. I've got six guys in tier one, but I, I think Keyshawn Vaughn is, has a, a immense opportunity here. And the reason is it goes back to what Bruce Arians said. I think it was at the combine or real close around the combine. He says, you can see them all run. I want to see them catch. In college football, they don't do a lot of pass blocking, so that's always a big step for them. But can they be a receiver? That guy separates from guys having to come off the field. I had Christian Okoye, who led the league, but he never played on third down. But Edron James never came off the field. Marshall Falk never came off the field. For me, I'm looking for that type of guy. And then he goes and drafts a guy who had 28 catches last year, who Jake said, great, really good pass blocker um, out of the backfield. That's the guy, I feel like that's the guy they targeted. They short up their offensive line in the first round. They got receiver, another receiver late, but they, they wanted to get a running back that they think could be a three down guy and they think Keyshawn Vaughn is that guy. I think, I mean, there's a chance Ronald Jones doesn't see the field this year outside of, of, you know, maybe the 20% give, give a guy a breather because Arians wanted a guy who was on the field most of the time. If that's his guy, there is going to be a ton of opportunity for Keyshawn Vaughn. You might be looking at 200, 240 carries, 220, 240 carries, mix in 40, 50 receptions, at least as a possibility, 40, 50 targets, I'll say. Then, and, yeah. and Tom Brady's not afraid to throw the ball to the running back. There is a huge opportunity here and he could end up sneaking into the, the bottom of the RB1 conversation at the end of the year just on sheer volume. Yeah, I'm excited about him. I think he's going to be a target of mine in a lot of drafts. I think as we get closer to the season, he's, he's probably going to be a guy, Jake, that spikes up draft boards a little bit. I don't think you'll be able to get him in the sixth round. Like, I think roughly that's where you got him. Like you said, go, you know, the video will be 
video tomorrow. You can go watch it. But taking a look at just what Peyton Barber and Ronald Jones did in the red zone last year, like nothing. I mean, they weren't really super efficient in there either, and they didn't have a guy like Barber, 22 attempts, Jones, 18 attempts. Like having a running back that you already alluded to can pass block for Tom Brady. And in that offense, what we've seen from Tom Brady in New England, it's – it's valuable. I mean, I don't think he's going to be like Garrett Blunt, lead the league in red zone rushing attempts and touchdowns, but it's possible that he's at least in the top five to seven in terms of opportunities inside the red zone. No, certainly. And that's, you know, the worst, actually, I guess the best worst case scenario that we were hoping for Ronald Jones. And the reason everybody got excited is because they were thinking like Garrett Blunt when he was with Tom Brady, you know, who cares about third down because he's running for 16 touchdowns and you were just hoping eight, nine, ten for Ronald Jones. So that's the real appeal that we were hoping for. So if you can offset that with somebody who can be out there for three downs, I, you know, Brad's right in the fact that that's a ceiling, but I'm not going to differently. I'm not putting him at a ceiling yet. And I'm not saying he's wrong to do that because I have Edwards Hilaire near his ceiling. Uh, but the real thing is, like I said, it's just with this, I don't know if they want to necessarily still give Ronald Jones a chance, but you know, I just think he's still potentially there. And that's really what it comes down to is just, is it definitely Vaughn's job? If you told me today Vaughn was the running back, you know, you, we go back to Calais as just the pass catcher sprinkled in. And now you put Ronald Jones in the same conversation as we were putting other guys like Marlon Mack is just, hey, good luck getting five touches a week. And then Keyshawn Vaughn, I probably top 15. Okay. A couple of weeks ago, before the draft happened, we were, you know, we were talking about all these rookies and we were, we weren't really talking about landing spots, but I had the, a couple different mocks out there and I said, you know, where these certain sites had these players going and we said Zach Moss to Buffalo and we all kind of chuckled and we laughed and it turns out Zach Moss is in Buffalo, but we also, when we brought that up and we talked about that scenario and we, we had some questions, I think, about Devin Singletary. Was he ever going to be a back with the touch the ball 300 times? And I don't think any of us agreed that he would. I think this just solidifies that he won't be. But Moss is still behind Singletary. I'm seeing a lot of people, Jake, complain about Singletary. And, ah, I, you know, I can't touch him now in drafts. I mean, he's still the guy in Buffalo. But maybe Moss is that goal line guy. I mean, there's still some some things to, to be worked matter. out here. But the upside is it li- it's Josh Allen. But the upside uh, lies with Singletary. You still see some value. An opportunity with and, and just touch on what you expect from Moss. I don't, everybody's you know favorite. I didn't move Singletary at all because what we talked about and what That's I fair. yeah I said the entire time is Singletary is not going to be touchdown reliant. Just he's not not in this offense, not for what he should be. If you gave him twenty plus touches a week, you'd probably kill the guy. Uh, that really comes down to what you just mentioned too, which you were setting this up. It said Josh Allen. Josh Allen is the Cam Newton on his prime, and he's going to steal some of those runs himself. You never take a Singletary hoping he got seven, eight, nine, ten touchdowns. That's just not who he is. So Singletary's still who he is. He's still a top twenty running back. Probably finishes somewhere in the fifteen to eighteen range. Great and half and full point PPR. Moss was brought in to basically replace Frank Gore, and I'm not that concerned about it because you know my feelings on Zach Moss. I just he's Jordan Howard. He's not that good. I could find seventeen running backs who does what or do what Zach Moss does. It's just. Hey, run the ball, take what's given. You take some short yards. Yeah, he's going to take some goal line carries, but he's worried. Like Zach Moss's value is more affected by him being on this team than Singletary is by Moss being on this team. If you understand what I'm saying, because Zach Moss should be the goal line short yard, possibly you know could sneak some value by having six, seven, eight touchdowns. But he's got to be worrying about Josh Allen more than Singletary does. So I'm not worried about Singletary at all. Like guys, stop panicking. And if anything, if you're telling me that, I don't know about you, Brad, but I'm starting to send out some trade offers to go get Singletary. Yeah, it's a great buy low opportunity. Yeah, it, I think I can see that. I just, I just don't know that 
I mean, you're talking RB3 here for me at, at the highest. I, there, are, there are at least 24 for guys I would rather have than, yeah, there, there are at least 24 running backs wow. I would rather have than him out there. And the biggest reason is because, so, so I, and I tweeted this out a, a couple days ago. The GM said, I think, um, when he was talking about on Zach Moss, um, he says he sees him as the first and second down running back saying, I think you, I think more of the goal line and things like that that we did with Frank last year, you'll see Zach do. I think Devin will have a, a similar role that he had, and it sounds like it's going to be a muddled mess. And so my tweet was, in other words, Josh Allen's going to get the goal line carries, and you don't want either of these running backs on your fantasy team. And and I that's the way I feel. Like at some point with a with a value, sure, but I don't know that I want any of these guys on my team because they're not going to be. A, you're talking like a sixty yard, half a touchdown projection at, at best for these guys. On a weekly basis, and and that's I mean it's just not appealing to me um, as an RB two that that I'm I'm essentially touchdown dependent on a team that doesn't call the running backs number a whole lot inside the red zone. Is that is that because of what they had though over the past couple of years? Like I don't know if that's the, the a solid recipe for success to have Josh Allen just run all the time in the red zone. They were a good running team. They at least uh, two years ago they were a good running team when Allen was first playing. Um, and, and last year they were a, a decent, decent running team. It, I mean, they, they had LaShawn McCoy when he was 29 years old and he was relevant. It, it's, and it, it just, it wasn't there last year. It just makes me, um, concerned about how, you know, especially when they're going in and acquiring receivers like crazy, they go and get Stephon Diggs. They're, they're trying to open up this offense a little bit more. And I don't know. I just, I, I, I could see there's a ceiling above, you know, in an RB2 scenario, but neither one of these guys have an RB1 ceiling, I don't think. And, and I, if I'm projecting, you know, for, for 2020, I'm not projecting him at the ceiling. I've, he's gonna, they're gonna, Singletary's gonna slot in around RB26, 27 for me. Jake, I know you have him as an RB2. You have him locked in as an RB2. Yeah, I, I don't, I agree that I don't think he has an RB1 ceiling. Uh, but I definitely think he he could be a solid RBC. I think that there's there's certainly a divide out there because everybody liked Zach Moss. We joked about that, right? I mean, the, the solid grades that PFF you know churned oh, out, and but I just don't think that this is a. I just don't. That's why I brought it up though, because there is a divide. Like people love no, Zach Moss. Oh, they don't no, want anything to do with Singletary. No, because PFF fall, fell in love with the same reason they fell in David Montgomery the year before. And I look, I use PFF st- stats for some things because I pull a lot of stats to get my analysis. Don't get hung up on one stat. Everybody got hung up. Not everybody, but the PFF was like, David Montgomery, all the broken tackles from college. They're doing the exact same mistake. They're doing that with Zach Moss. All the broken tackles, all the broken tackles. Broken tackles is one very, very, very small piece of the equation, and David Montgomery just proved that for everybody, and everybody's ignoring the living hell out of it and just jumping on Zach Moss for the exact same reason. You know what it's like? You know what that's like? It's like using saves to purely judge Brad Ziegler. There you go. <laughs> we, dominant we dominant force as a closer, you mean? Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving right along here, running backs, Darrington Evans. Um, I guess the only question here is obviously is he replaces Dion Lewis and right. hardly touched the field at all last year, Jake. But Well, uh, can I, I loop three together here? I'll make yeah, it easy, so, it. especially since we're getting tight already and we still haven't got to the others. So I'll loop Darrington Evans. Uh, Evans with Michael P. P. Ryan, like Michael P. Ryan and Anthony McFarland, they're all high end backups because look, Evans is not Lewis proved it. Nobody's touching the ball that much behind Henry, but if Henry were to get hurt, which how big he is, I mean, he's basically got banged up every single year at this point. 
Evans could step into a great situation where he ends up being an RB2. I'd say mid-low. I want to put it, obviously, in the RB1 conversation. But that's a situation there. Michael Pirine behind Le'Veon Bell, which the team is already, like, Adam Gase signed him and then hated him. But, well, you know, apparently he wasn't even part of the signing. But that's a situation where Le'Veon Bell misses time. That backfield is now mainly his, even with Bilal Powell. And I threw in Anthony McFarlane because one of the pushbacks I got already on, like, the analysis and the rankings and stuff like that, apparently when you say, don't be surprised if McFarlane pushes James Conner, means, apparently, to this guy, that meant he's better than James Conner. I don't know how you get that from the interpretation, like whatever. All I'm saying Steelers is, Nation. yeah, James Conner has been banged up. He's a huge injury risk. I think the Steelers have finally learned, let's not give him the ball and kill him like Todd Gurley 25 times a game. So he should be, if healthy, he's better. He is the lead. But again, if he misses time, McFarlane's now the better backup between Betty Snell and Jalen Samuels. And I don't be surprised if Jalen Samuels doesn't have a job anymore. But I loop all three of those together to say they're all high-end handcuffs, somebody you throw on your roster in the 14th round, you cut if you really have to, but guys that could turn out to be RB2s if the person in front of them gets hurt. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And, and when you're talking from a rookie draft standpoint, in the third round here, you could do, I would much rather have Darrington Evans than, than Antonio, Antonio Gandy-Goldie or Devin DuVernay or whoever. Give me the running backs late that have a chance to be a, a team's primary backup and could instantly be thrust into a starting role that this was there was a, a, a dynasty league I was in last year. I had Ty Johnson on my team. He was a late draft pick of the Lions last year. But when Carryon Johnson got hurt, everybody in the world assumed Ty Johnson was going to be the starter. And I traded Ty Johnson for a first round pick the following year, the uh, 2021 first round pick um, to to a team that needed running back help. They had Carryon. They didn't have a lot of depth. It, I jumped on the opportunity to to get a guy that I took in the fourth round of a rookie draft. Made him a, turned him into a first round pick and he ended up being nothing. That's why you want to carry these guys because you don't know what's going to happen when a starter gets hurt. It's very possible they could turn into a, a really good scenario, really good situation where they're getting a lot of carries. It's also possible that the, the coaching staff has other ideas and it, it could end up being somebody completely different or somebody off the street like the Lions did last year with Bo Scarborough. So it, it's, if that's the, you know, the opportunity you, you, collect all these late round running backs that you can you sit them on your bench and you you do your best to to flip them when their opportunity is high and if they turn into a really good running back fine like if ty johnson had been great the second half of last year i would have had no problem with that because i got a first round pick for him but if there is the the flip side where he may be nothing and and fighting for a spot on the roster this year which is probably what's going to be happening I think I'm most intrigued with McFarland because of what we've seen before with running back stepping into Pittsburgh into that offensive big Ben and what he could, what he could potentially do there. But I also think on the same side is that James Conner is probably going to be one of the most undervalued running backs to go in, in redraft leagues too, because of everyone is just absolutely scared of, of the health there. One thing I will say before we move on, I don't want to look too far ahead, Jake, but can Evans fill that role as like the future back in Tennessee if something happens to Derrick Henry or they decide that they just, are not going to, you know, extend him? I don't think so. I think that he's kind of always going to be a complimentary RB2 piece. RB2 at best. Yeah, I think he's kind of – he needs somebody else in the backfield with him. But, you know, that's, again, that's kind of almost the NFL world we're living in. We don't have a lot of running backs that it's their backfield anymore. Yeah, fair. Yeah, um, and it, okay. but he is, he is a 203-pound running back that had 255 carries last year, and – and there's no one else on this roster. Dalen Dawkins and Kari Blassingame are the only other two running backs on this roster besides Evans and Derrick Henry. I mean, they're, and they spent a third round pick on him, right? So 
there's, I mean, there's no question he's going in as, as the primary backup. And Henry had over 400 carries last year. I've mentioned this all offseason. I think there is a really good chance he ends up getting hurt at some point this year. And, and if that happens, there's just no one else there right now. I mean, they might be looking to go sign Carlos Hyde or Lamar Miller or somebody off the street be just to give them a, a, a legit running back at some point. And Evans will already know the offense will already be in a position to step in and potentially be that guy. And because he, he showed at least last year he could be that guy for a season in college. Uh, Jake, when you were at the combine, you talked to Anthony Lynn. And I think one of the questions you asked him just about the Austin Eckler role. And it seems like that role, he's still going to have it. His, his own role, even though they, they did bring in or they drafted uh, Joshua Kelly to take, I guess, the Melvin Gordon situation. But I, you know, Eckler still a, a target for yours as a, as a solid RB1? No. And what do you really expect from Joshua Kelly? No? No, never was. I, I completely believe. I thought you had him as a low end RB1. No. So. No. No. Okay. Alright. Well, you're wrong. <laughs> no, I'm not. He's a, he's a high end RB2, and that's where I had him initially. That's where I had him through the draft, and that's where I still have him. I think people are disrespecting Joshua Kelly too much. And look, he's, he's not going to be Melvin Gordon. Let me make that clear. He's not going to be Melvin Gordon once Melvin Gordon was 100% in the second half of the season and touching the ball 15, 20 times a game. But at the same time, he is going to absorb the cut. Now, like where it was, Austin Eckler complimented Melvin Gordon. Now it's the reverse. Austin Eckler will still be the lead option, but Austin Eckler is still not going to touch the ball 250 times. And that's my problem. You don't want him to. That's fine. Let Austin Eckler, it's kind of similar to the Aaron Jones thing. Let Austin Eckler be one of the most efficient, dangerous running backs in the NFL and keep him in this range. They drafted Joshua Kelly to be his complement and be that piece that fills in the Melvin Gordon role. Where it used to be 60-40 Melvin Gordon, now it's 60-40 Eckler, which is fine. But Eckler's not an RB1. I, he's still only going to be around 220 touches, and that's fine. He can be a high-end RB2. Maybe even sneak into the RB1 level because he's so damn good. Where last year he did, and but then the problem is we're talking about why I'm at 14 is because all the people in front of him are guys who should touch the ball 250 times. I mean, you know my feelings about Kenyon Drake, but Kenyon Drake is the guy. Josh Jacobs, Nick Chubb, Joe Mixon, Leonard Fournette. There's no way I'm putting Eckler in front of him because the biggest problem I have about Eckler, again, is not the year-end value. It's how we get there. And any given week where Eckler only gets four catches and four rushes because of how game script might be going, especially now when you're talking about Tyrod Taylor at quarterback, or you're talking about the loss of Phillip Rivers who went to him a lot and now Tyrod Taylor running this offense, I just can't put Austin Eckler in the RB1 conversation. Yeah, that that's fair. I, I think, you know, I, I don't have my 2020 rankings set up yet, but at, at earliest, he's going to be an 11 or 12 guy. The one thing I will say about Joshua Kelly is he's the only guy in this backfield that has the ability to be a an every down back all yeah. season long just because of his build. He's, I mean, he's... To, you know, Justin Jackson, the other running back there is 193 pounds. Joshua Kelly's 212. I mean, what's Eckler? Two, 200 maybe? So he's at least built to be, to handle the workload of, of 20 touches a game. He's definitely not going to get that with Eckler there. But if Eckler were to get hurt at some point, he's, I would much rather have Joshua Kelly on my team than Justin Pants Jackson. Off. <laughs> yeah, 100%. I mean, I think we know Justin Jackson's value is pretty much gone. So yeah, and he's, way, I mean, for... he's just too small <laughs> to be that news guy. real quick, Chris. Robert Foster yeah. struggle will likely struggle to make the roster. <laughs> just I don't. I just Robert I just Foster. want to throw throw that out there, just because what are the chances you get breaking news on Robert Foster and talked about Robert Foster in the same day? Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> It'll be the last time we say Robert Foster for a year. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, okay, 
All right, so we're we're done in the Chargers then. We know also one thing that doesn't bode well for Eckler is we know he's not going to be the goal line guy there, right? I mean, he had he was just given those opportunities because Gordon wasn't around, but he wasn't really all that successful with them. No, I saw one game where he was just stuffed three times in a row from the one. And if we're so concerned about Buffalo's backfield with Josh Allen, with Tyrod's the quarterback, why aren't we talking about this yeah, too? Like yeah. everybody's just like, oh, everything's yeah, fine. Good call. Yeah. It's true. Uh, we already touched on DJ Dallas. Yeah, I don't think there's anything really else to say. I think we touched on him last week. Is there anything you want to say about Jacob Eason? I mean, there's obviously no value here, but he, is, he seems like he's the quarterback of the future. You know, pair him up with Pittman and, and uh, Taylor. I actually don't think he ends up being the quarterback of the future. I was never that high on Eason because he's very much like Justin Herbert for me. He has all the skills, but just poor decision maker. Uh, there's talk that he fell this far because of his off field, which, you know, okay, that's fine or whatever. But I just was never that high on him to begin with. I think best case scenario, yeah, you know, maybe he turns into the quarterback of the future. But even in that, I don't think he's much more than in like an Andy Dalton ceiling. So I think they're still going to be looking, honestly. Brad, who's a guy that we haven't, uh, as we dig deeper here from round five on, who's a guy that we haven't, uh, obviously we haven't touched on any of these guys, but who's a guy that stands out to you? <laughs> well, I'll I mean, my guy. Uh, well, who's your guy? <laughs> and chances are you uh, won't take him, and if you do, he's, Jake he's, won't like him. He's dead in the middle. Okay, then I won't take him. I'm, I'm going to take Tyler Johnson um, from from Tampa, and he he didn't, you know, was the guy that he did not test at the combine, and it made everybody leery that he's not that good of an athlete. We heard all off season NFL teams don't like him, even though people you watch him on film and you're like, kind of what's not to like about this guy. I I'm not saying he's going to leapfrog Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. You know, but I think there is at least an opportunity to be a third wide receiver there because I mean, who's got to beat out Scotty Miller, Justin Watson? There's a chance that Tyler oh, that's Johnson your boy. is better than those guys. Yeah, I, I know. I and I'm like, they're better <laughs> athletes than him, I think. But I think he is a better technical, skilled receiver. And and if he can get open, you see these highlight tapes of him making crazy red zone catches against you know with, with competition. If he if he becomes a red zone threat. Um, at some point, or if one of these guys goes down, he, he's a lot better suited to fill Mike Evans spot on the team than Chris Goblin's spot on the team, just based on pure athleticism and size. I would rather, you know, fourth round, throw a, throw a dart on Tyler Johnson, because there is a chance, um, that, that down the road, you know, two or three years from now, he becomes something in Tampa Bay. Who's throwing passes in two or three years? Brady's. Uh, I was going to say, this year, he, he might be something this year. And the fact that Tom Brady in the slot receiver, he's got an affinity mm-hmm. for it. I mean, I don't think it'd be fancy reliant with all these options and Gronk is there, obviously, but I'm just saying I want to shot. Speaking of, I wasn't going to, I was going to tell you this guy's after the show, but it broke during the show. Jameis Winston's contract with the Saints, $1.1 million. That's so, somebody tweeted it out. He is the 53rd highest paid quarterback. That's so. It's unbelievable. He just, Especially when he, he had a reported $30 million asking price toward the end of the season if he wanted to get an extension. He's he's picking a situation here. He didn't care about the money at this point. He's looking really oh, no, long-term here. Situation and possibly. I think it's a smart move. Yeah, well, that's well, if that's all it's going to take, the Steelers should have. I mean, they had the cap room for $1 million. They shouldn't have done that. But anyway, uh, no, yeah, my guy that Brad didn't mention is Isaiah Coulter. And I love this landing spot because where is he he's with the Texans with about 18 wide receivers I hate so that's always good uh, including Will Fuller but look, they got rid of DeAndre Hopkins you have Brandon Cooks which we know that he is at this point of his career and the concerns about his health uh, Will Fuller can't stay healthy and you know like let, let you know kidding aside 
Will Fuller, you hope he's Deshaun Jackson and that, you know, he gets six, seven really good weeks and it just balances out and he's your wide receiver four. So people are going to draft him as a wide receiver three, probably even some people out there that will take him as a two just because they're drunk on him. Uh, but the truth is, is there's an opportunity here because Kiki QT, Randall Cobb could lead this team in receptions. It's kind of a mess right now. But Isaiah Coulter could be the number uh, a number two in the NFL and could be the number two on this team before you even blink. Uh, granted, he's a very fifth-plus round. These things don't usually pan out very quickly or all the time. But if I'm ta- attacking one I mean, for everything, and I have a feeling where you might go, Chris, but the guys we have in this group, I'm not even going to include the running back and quarterback right now, but the wide receivers are Tyler Johnson, Quintez Cef- Cephas, Hightower, Watkins to your team, Coulter and Peoples-Jones. I mean, Tyler Johnson and Coulter almost stand head and above the rest for me. Ned, those are my two favorite as well. I mean, I can't go the Philadelphia route as of right now. They have way too many wide receivers on their team. They basically doubled down on the exact same guy. Yeah, I mean, until exactly like a lot of speed. I like the high tower pick. I think you know it, it was the theme of the weekend for the Eagles, just drafting a ton of speed. I mean, but I mean, Deshaun Jackson is still there. Alshon Jeffrey is still there. Zach Ertz is going to be the number one target for Carson Wentz. So uh, it's hard. It's hard to really get on board with that from from a you know a redraft standpoint or year one. I I think you're you know if I had to choose. It's probably Coulter because of everything that you just said. I'm not a Will Fuller fan. I'm not a Brennan Cooks fan. Randall Cobb bounced back last year. He was nice, but how much? Like, I, I don't think that I can fully trust him. So there's an opportunity for him with Deshaun Watson. By the way, is Deshaun Watson still a locked-in QB5? Are we are we really going that going there I with Watson in, in this offense? I'm at six. Brad? Uh, I No, I, I, like I mean, I, I'm thinking offense. more like seven or eight. I Again, I don't have a list in front of me, but he's going to have to do a whole lot of stuff by himself this year, it feels like, because he doesn't yeah. have dominant receivers to, to that you can count on to get open. Exactly. Uh, one more guy before we get out of here is just, I thought, you know, Benjamin falling, you know, this far in the draft to Arizona was a little shocking. Am I alone here? No, 100%. Jake? And I, Actually, this is a great opportunity to, you know, just take him late in your rookie drafts, take him late in general, because if anything, like Kenyon Drake, uh, there's not even a guarantee Kenyon Drake is Kenyon Drake from last year. And Kenyon Drake was basically Will Fuller running back. We talked about towards the end of the year why I wasn't a big fan of people saying he's an RB1, RB2. Like the guy had three ginormous weeks, which offset. It was almost 50% of his production in three weeks. Like I, I understand there's a better case for him to be more consistent this year, but it's still he's still not a guarantee. And if anything were to happen to him, I was baffled in the fact that, you know, Benjamin, I had – much I had tier three I thought he would go where I thought he'd be like early day three pick as in the fourth round or so I don't think I don't know like all 32 teams really downgraded him because this testing that's the problem here like yeah he didn't test great I think that's the biggest concern tested poor honestly at the combine but I mean we've seen people test poor before or has struggled in some ways and you know maybe he was hiding an injury although I think he would have said so just to kind of offset that at this point but whatever it might be I just still can't believe he fell this far just because of the combine. There's got to be something else here. And if he's fine, everything's fine. Like, this is a value in my opinion. And I think Enio Benjamin somebody that I'm going to stash on a lot of rosters where I can. Brad, if anything happens to Drake and, I mean, still we'll Chase Edmonds yeah. on that roster, it's a good opportunity in that offense. It is. There, there's no doubt. And, the you know, the big question for me is, how big is Eno Benjamin really? Because he weighed 195 at the Senior Bowl, then was 207 at the Combine. And I, I heard reports of teams doing this with – there's um, – who's the he, um, the tight end from UCLA? Asiasi. That's just enormous. Asiasi. Team, 
teams in their FaceTime chats with him were having him go and step on a scale because they wanted to see what he was like when he wasn't prepping for, you know, an event where he knew he'd have to weigh in. I wonder if teams didn't do that for, you know, Benjamin. All of a sudden he's back down to like 193 pounds and they're like, geez, he just put on a ton of water weight for, for the combine weigh in. And he's, he's actually just super tiny and he needs to be really explosive and really athletic to, to be effective at, at that point. He's, I mean, well, then best, the I think, weight could have, there you go. That's what, well, to your point, Brad, is like maybe the weight was what slowed him down at the combine and getting it back off him. And now you got Philip Lindsay. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it might be. I'm not saying he's terrible by any means. I mean, he put up back to back thousand yard seasons, thousand yard rushing seasons, um, with, with over 35 catches in each season at Arizona State. So, um, it, it's not that he, he, you know, he's proven he can handle a workload. I'm just more, a little more concerned that like, I mean, he didn't get drafted till the seventh round. And it's like, even if someone had taken a fifth round flyer on him, it, it, you know, you would have felt like it was maybe kind of late based on the pre, some of the pre-draft hype, but seventh round, like a team's just taking him so they don't have to try to, to win the bidding as a undrafted free agent at that point. And it's, I mean, he's, I, I feel like there's an opportunity to, to go in and win a backup spot. And there's also just as much of an opportunity to get cut off this roster. Yeah. Yeah. Something seems a little fishy. Uh, I thought to your point, Jake, fourth, maybe fifth. I was, I was shocked to see him still hanging around in the seventh. Final words, Brad? No, I'm excited. I got, I got my first rookie draft coming up in two weeks and, and then another one, um, that, that starts summer free agency, a free agent bidding period at that point. And there's a lot of free agents out there. I'm excited. I finally get to do something for fantasy besides talk about it. <laughs> and Jake, uh, you'll have the article out tomorrow, and then you're just going to, what, uh, put the feet up, get some Zoom dates on the go, hands behind the head, because we won't have a show next week here. <laughs> yeah, I finally get some what, – what does 9 o'clock look like when you guys get to sleep into that? i got to find that out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, All in Kid is where you can follow Jake on Twitter, at Brad Ziegler, myself, at Chris Meany. Again, theathletic.com slash – free 90 days will get you all the goods that jake has on the athletic including that mock draft and video form as well as a little bit of a write-up there it's been fun we will be back in a couple weeks and we'll take a look at jake's way too early rankings and pick them apart it's gonna be a great show have a good one everybody Mm-hmm.